The Ask Anatomist podcast is co-sponsored by the Faculty of Medicine, Nursing, and Health Sciences at Monash University and by the American Association for Anatomy. Ask Anatomist presents A Bone to Pick. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Lazarus, an associate professor in the Center for Human Anatomy Education in the Faculty of Medicine, Nursing, and Health Sciences at Monash University. On this episode, we interview Linda Bonewald on musculoskeletal health. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Would you take a moment to introduce yourself? It's a pleasure to be here and talk to you about what I do. My name is Linda Bonewald, and I am the director of the Indiana Center for Musculoskeletal Health. Could you talk to us a little bit more about your field and what is really important about it? So my field was originally mainly studying bone, but now I have branched out and I not only study bone, but I also study muscle. Bone and muscle compose what we call the musculoskeletal system. And what I'm really interested in is how muscle talks to bone and how bone talks to muscle. So there's actually communication between these two structures. There is communication. We used to think that the only interaction between muscle and bone was that your muscles contracted and loaded your bones. But now we're learning that it's more than just a mechanical interaction between muscle and bone. We've learned that there are actually small molecules that we call factors that the bone cells can make. And the bone cell I study is a very special bone cell called the osteocyte because it's bedded in the hard mineralized substance of the bone, and it secretes factors that target muscle. And then when your muscle contracts, like when you exercise, then it secretes factors that target the bone and keep the bone healthy. So with that background, what are the major questions in your field? Some of the major questions in my field is whether or not Exercise working through the musculoskeletal system is responsible for all of the beneficial effects of exercise. We know that exercise extends longevity. People that exercise live longer. We know that exercise can delay the effects of dementia, like Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of different benefits of exercise. People used to think that it was mainly because exercise increased blood flow and therefore there were more nutrients and oxygen for your tissues to grow. But what we're finding is that there are actually factors that are made by the musculoskeletal system that are necessary for good health. So it's not actually just the movement, but what the movement induces the cells to release or to to affect. Exactly. So how does your research help address those questions in the field, particularly around the relationship between movement and these factors? So when we have movement, everybody knows that if they contract the muscle in their arm, their deltoid, their big muscle pops up. So that's muscle contraction. And when that occurs, that muscle is pulling on the bone. And whenever you load bone, you can actually increase bone mass. So what we're finding is that whenever that muscle contracts, it pulls on the bone. It's not only loading it, but it's releasing factors. So what happens is those factors synergize with that mechanical load to have a positive effect on the bone. And so most people are not too surprised at this. But what has surprised our community is the fact that whenever you load the bone, the osteocytes in the bone release factors 
and they can synergize with loading to have positive effects on the muscle. So I've noticed when we work out and we're talking about increasing bone mass and and the benefits, they're usually delayed in terms of when they occur. So is this playing a role, these factors playing a role in that delay, or do they change the time for this effect? So what you have to keep in mind is your muscle can change more quickly than your bone can. So for example, when the astronauts go into space, they lose both bone and muscle mass. And when they come back to Earth, they can more easily recuperate or recover that muscle mass, say, within a few months. It takes much, much longer to recover the amount of bone that has been lost in space. So things turn over more quickly in muscle, and they turn over more slowly in bone. With regards to the research that you do, do you have any specific projects that you're working on now which are really focused on this specific question? And Could you talk to us a little bit about that? So I work right now with a muscle metabolite, and this is a very small molecule. And the scientific name for this metabolite is beta-amino-isobutyric acid. It's a long name, but we call it BIBA for short. And BIBA is released by contracting muscle. And what we found is that BIBA can target the osteocyte in bone to keep it alive and keep it functioning. Now, why is that important? It's important because osteocytes inside the bone are considered the master regulators of bone formation and bone resorption. They tell the osteoblast to make more bone when you need more bone. They tell the osteoclast to resorb a bone when you don't need the bone. So another feature of these cells is that they are long-lived. They're the longest-lived cell in your skeleton and probably in your body. In humans, they can live for up to decades. So what's important is to keep those cells alive and healthy and functioning. And this is something that this molecule, BIBA, does, is it keeps osteocytes alive and healthy and functioning. So we also ask the question, well, would BIBA play a role with a lack of loading? A model that we use in mice is called hind limb unloading, and what we do is we suspend the mouse by the tail, and so it can't walk on its hind limbs. So usually what happens is the muscle mass decreases and the bone decreases. I give biba in the drinking water to these animals. They lose less bone and lose less muscle. So that was pretty exciting. Now we have studies going on where we ask the other question, well, what if you're exercising and you're loading the bone and secreting factors? Could they synergize with each other? So what we do is we load bones to increase bone mass. That's called anabolic bone loading. And we've done this on the tibia. And what we found, if we apply suboptimal amounts of anabolic loading to that bone in the leg, that if we include biba in the drinking water, it enhances the effects of the anabolic load. This has important therapeutic applications because What if you're older and you can't exercise as much? Or what if you're bedridden and there's just a limited amount of exercise that you can do? So if you could take this molecule, you could actually enhance the effects of the exercise that you get. 
And what's fascinating about these studies is that we've talked before about bioavailability, so the availability of a molecule to get to where it needs to go, the pathway that happens. And what you're suggesting is that this could potentially be just an oral administration of a molecule, no injections, and can affect change in the bones. Exactly. That's remarkable. There's something, though, that I would like to mention, because right now you can buy this small molecule through a website that comes out of a factory in China. What you have to keep in mind is that for most small molecules, they have what are called enantiomers, or which are opposite structures. So it's sort of like looking at yourself in the mirror. Yes, kind of like looking at yourself in the mirror. And one form is called the L form, and the other form is called the D form. So this material that's sold by this company has a mixture of the L and the D form. And what we found is that the L form is like 100 to 1,000 times more potent than the D form when it comes to looking at osteocyte viability. We've started testing these isoforms on muscle. The L form has no effect. The D form inhibits myofiber formation. So it's really important, and this is something that the drug industry has had to deal with for decades, and they know this very well. Normally, when you take a compound for a therapeutic, there's just one enantiomer that has a desired biological activity, and usually the other one is inert. However, there is a very terrible example of one that unfortunately had very bad outcomes. There was thalidomide. So thalidomide was manufactured because of all the positive sedative effects it had. Little did people know that its enantiomer would cause birth defects. So just be very careful when you use mixtures of compounds. So using the analogy we used of a person and their reflection, so in this case, the person is effective, but the reflection not only is ineffective, but has negative impact. Can have a negative impact, exactly. That clearly sounds like something that's very important for the community to know. But is there anything else that you wish that people knew about your field and your research? What I would like for people to understand, having worked in bone now for 30 years or longer, and of course I have my last name is Bonewald, which has uh, given me a lot of name recognition along with a few chuckles here and there. One thing that I have tried to impart to the lay community is that the bone is an active tissue. It is constantly being remodeled to adjust to the load that's placed on it. And the reason why it's doing this is if you've got too much bone, then you can't run away and escape from that tiger and be eaten. Or the other thing, if you've got too much bone and you go to try and swim, you're going to sink to the bottom. So what your skeleton does is optimize the amount of bone that you have to meet the activity. The other point that I would like to make to the community is that the osteocytes inside the bone are secretory cells. They secrete factors, and these factors can target other tissues. They secrete a factor that regulates your kidney, and now we're showing they're secreting factors that can regulate your muscle. Maybe they're secreting factors that can regulate your brain. So people really need to think about those cells inside your bone that are producing all of these factors. So bones aren't just structural. They're actually impacting your entire body. They are. And what people don't realize is inside your bones, the osteocytes, if you look at the total cell mass and the mass of their dendrites that they send through the bone matrix, it's the equivalent mass of your brain. 
So potentially, just like we see within the gastrointestinal community where they say you now have a brain in your gut, there's potential that we may find the same thing in the bone. Exactly. It's the brain in the bones. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. This was an outstanding You're podcast. welcome. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Don't forget to head over to our website, askanatomist.com, for more episodes and links to resources. And follow us on Twitter. So if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, don't hesitate to ask anatomist and use the hashtag anatq.